Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. We are the church, and we're going to, have to probably do some things different going forward in the future. Um, this come and see thing isn't going to, it's probably not going to work for many more seasons. Y'all know what I mean by come and see? It's what we call, we were trained in this as pastors in Bible colleges. It's called attractional church models. It may not mean a thing to you in here at all. But if you're in corporate world or CO, you're in medical, or maybe you do business, whatever you do, if they teach you something, there's a methodology that you're given. And, and a craft is one thing, but a methodology is different. So in other words, I can be a great painter, but if I'm painting this room and I'm using old school roller, and they have built and equipped us with now paint sprayers that cut your time in half, and you're still rolling like this. You're still a great craftsman in your painting, but that new methodology is you can spray and get the same thing done faster and cheaper, but be more effective, right? You're probably going to get passed by eventually by rolling the wall. Do you all understand what I'm saying? Attractional church is what we were trained on. It's everything they taught us in school was how to have a come and see. It's the whole thing of Wesley, I think it was said this, hey man, or Spurgeon one, I can't remember which one of these guys said, basically, how do you get people to be a part of your meeting? I just, I just open the word and I make sure I'm on fire. I'm on fire, baby. Because people will come and see that. Wow, look at the guy's on fire. Not like literally, but you know, he's like, wow, man, preaching, right? But that season's like, it's closing pretty quick. So we got to think differently as a church and as church is and as the church, I think over everywhere else besides America, this is done. It's not about the building. It's not about this. It's about us as the people of God. And so I told Haley, I had to remember how this is done. Everybody do this. Together. Put your hands together this morning. We're going to Matthew 16. Don't worry. I know some of y'all are like, well, he said Matthew 16. I know. You're just freaking out right now. You, you might need a men's retreat or a woman's retreat. Just chill out. We'll get to you in a minute, okay, you Matthew 16 overachievers. Put your hands together like this. Now do like this, like you're going to pray. All right. Now watch this. Now, remember when we did this as kids. Let me see if I get this right. Uh, let's see. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open up the doors and see all the people. You got you to kick it up an octave. Let's do it one more time. Come on. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. You didn't do it. Come on, one more time. Like the Dr. Pepper commercial. Ready? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door. See all the Yeah, baby. There you go. Come on. Like, work, in, work that octave out there. The church is all about the people. It's all about the people. It's never been about the steeple. It's never been about the steeple. It's always been about God's people. And the church in Matthew 16, as Jesus is saying this, let's read it. And I'll put it up to you for in this New Living Translation. You've got a paperback Bible there. You, you can see it there. But it says, Jesus said, you are blessed. He, when the question was asked, who are you? And Jesus said to Simon, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You do not learn this from any human being. Now I say unto you that you are Peter, which we'll talk about this some later, but which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Can I just, before we go any further today, Christians, this is not Jody's idea. The gathering together of the saints for worship, 
for edification, for ministry, for the design of the church. I'm not talking about the steeples right now. I'm talking about the way in which Jesus, do you understand? He gave ministry gifts to the church. Pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, apostles. These are ministry. Do not misunderstand. Well, that's not necessary anymore. No, that's not a building. That's his anointing. I'm not going to touch that. Now, if I paint a different color or change a steeple, he doesn't care about those things. It's the people. But it is his church. And he says, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And then he sternly warned the people, or the disciples, not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. He was the son of the living God. So it's his church. And the church is called many things. Uh, when we say it's the people... This is a very reference to humanity. The church is people. It's the body of Christ. That's one term for the church. Many, many different terms in, the, in your Bible about what the church is called. It's the body of Christ. He's the head. We're the body. Right? And I said last week, if, if the head is resurrected, then what is the body? It's got to be resurrected. You can't have a, like a headless horse. You can't have the head just bouncing around everywhere and the body's still in the grave. No. If he came out of the grave, then what? We came out of the grave. So it's not about the guilt trip that everybody feels as a Christian. It's about, look, I'm resurrected. I got to deal with my junk, right? Okay, that's just the reality. But the body of believers, he's also referred to the church as called the bride of Christ. This is a terminology as to why you as a Christian, and I, I understand it's not popular. I get it's, it, is, it is politically incorrect, and it will offend Three-fourths of the people, it seems like, in this world. But that is not true. It's just three-fourths of the loudest people on the planet. The bride is a female. The groom is a male. And I know that bothers people. Say, well, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. As a believer, if you denounce that, you denounce the very nature and essence of who, Christian, who Christ is and his church. And I didn't say you got to be some mean, evil like dude out there. But you don't have to back off of your beliefs. You don't have to be arrogant with them. But if someone asks you, what happened to the part about us as Christians where be prepared to give an account of your faith? If someone asks you why you believe what you believe, be ready to give an account for it. But if you can't give an account for it, if you're ashamed of the gospel, then what account will you give someone? Well, I guess it's okay. I guess, you know, marriage is is maybe whatever you want it to be. If you do that, you have just watered down the gospel and the very message of Christ that was shed his blood for you on a cross called Calvary. If it's not that real for you, then listen, if you can't handle that, I'm telling you right now, you might not be able to handle what comes next. If that bothers you, you've got to understand it's not an offensive message that they're after against you. It is the gospel. It's the gospel. And it has taken this nature every single time a nation or a, a country or a people group turned from God. It all started with the home, the family, and gender, and marriage. Every single time it was to destroy the home, so why? The culture would crash. Every single culture that did this, they eventually crashed. Be ready. Give an account for your faith. Man, Pastor, you just don't understand how this is my work. We can't talk about that. I didn't say you had to talk about it. The beauty of it is, don't you love your Bible? Be prepared and be ready to give an account for if they ask you why you believe. If they ask. You don't have to go around with a bullhorn. 
But if somebody asks me, Pastor Jody, why do you believe in marriage? Well, I'll tell you right here is why. Because the church is the bride of Christ. And the beautiful thing about the bride of Christ is this, that when you see a bride, what does it remind you of? When you see the references of the bride of Christ, what is, what is the first thing you think about when you, when you hear that reference, the bride of Christ? A what? Beautiful. What else, though? What is the event called? A, a wedding. A wedding. Now, we got married. I was doing up the timeline because Haley couldn't remember. We got married. <clears throat> 2002. Right, I got a photo I'll show you. I had to take there, some of the glare is too bad on the, on the camera. If you guys have it, you can put it up there. So I don't know if they got it or not. We'll see what pops up. Just tell me what it does. But the beautiful thing about a bride is when you see a wedding, typically who's standing down here? The groom is standing right here, right? And this cat is trying to be cool. Down. Oh, look, there we are, sideways. <laughs> you can see that. I don't know why, and they'll fix it if they can. But so a groom is sitting down, and usually groom daddy, he's trying to be cool, isn't he? He's in his tuxedo. He's like, y'all don't know what we tell all these grooms. Here's the groomsmen. They, they a bunch of, these, these guys over here are a bunch of goofballs. The groomsmen always, they're a bunch of crazy, they're always doing stuff. I've had them come up to the winds and, and just bring a, a, a whole handfuls of firecrackers or whatever, just give them to the groom as he's walking by. Now he's got to put all his junk in his pockets. He's like, man, what are y'all doing? Because they're a bunch of goofballs. They're not getting married. The groom, though, he's standing like this. And y'all know what we tell him every time. If you've been married, you've heard this, or at least someone hopefully gave you this. Don't lock your knees. Why? Why would they say that? Cause they only say that because it's happened. <laughs> Joker fell over because he, he passed out. He's just so nervous, right? He's like, he's trying to be cool, but he cool. He's nervous. So anyway, he's down here and, and who's coming in the, the door when the music hits? Dun, 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 there she comes. Doors open up, you know? Here she walks down the aisle. She's so happy. She's so excited. She's got that beautiful dress on. And everybody looks at her. And, and all of a sudden, no one is watching who? He don't matter. Here she comes. She is. Because it's her day. And she's walking down this aisle. And everybody's. If you ever. I, well, you don't. I do weddings. So you don't. But maybe you do. I don't know. But if you ever do one, it's the funniest thing to watch. <clears throat> at that moment in time, when she comes in those doors, I promise this. I could do backflips and no one would ever know it. Because no one's watching us. They're watching that lady come. Here she comes down that aisle. And when she gets down to the aisle, the first thing that happens is, I, as a minister of the gospel, I say pretty much to them, join hands there. And I pray for them, typically something like that, to that effect. And as we go through the process, we ask questions, spiritual questions, real questions. Are you a believer? Because that's important. Because if one of them says to me, no, I'm not doing your wedding. Why would you do it? Because the Bible says don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You both need to be saved. It matters. Now, if it happens and you weren't saved and you're not now, guess what? The beauty I'm going to tell you about in a moment is, as a Christian, you have a, a bit of authority and power and unique things you can do and pray for your spouse, even if they're an unbeliever. And the Bible actually tells you this. You actually cover them. They're actually made clean. It's a really unique thing. I don't have time to get into it right now because of your faith in Christ. Because the union of a marriage is so special and so strong. It, it, it's so strong, this, fellas, that this, if you're in disagreement with your wife, if you're frustrated with your wife, if she can't remember when you got married, and you hold that in with you, and you get real burdened down by that, <laughs> she, she can totally remember. I'm totally not looking at her because I'm making all this up. She, she totally knows when we got married, okay? <laughs> anyway, so I look at her. 
But if you get offended at your wife, you get upset. The Bible teaches, Peter tells this, that your prayers are hindered because of the power of the union. It's a real thing. And so when the culture starts tampering with that, saying it doesn't matter, you can love who you want, be married to who you want. Um, in the culture you can. But if you're going to come under the Christian faith, I'm sorry, but there are things we have to give up. And you're going to have to give up your cultural feelings and political correctness to give an answer to the call in which you've been called to. And it is the bride of Christ. Now, I love this about the bride. <clears throat> Let me give you a couple of thoughts on this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. The word engaged, when we get engaged uh, in our culture, what typically do... Now, let me tell you what you do. Let me just tell Ladies, let me just tell you first. Hold on. This seems to be... Uh, let me just help you out. I was in line, heard a bunch of knot-headed boys at Six Flags, okay? And I'm sorry, but they was a bunch of bozos. And I finally had to tell one of them calls, they was popping off some language. And I love about what they've done at Six Flags. I know people are giving them grief about it, but... They get rid of the riffraff, man. It was nice. It was refreshing. Go and it's like nobody's freaking out. Nobody's pushing you out of the way. Nobody's breaking in line. Everybody's being cool, respectful. I love it. And these boys sitting right here, and I've got the little one. She's right here. The other two's riding coasters and throwing up everywhere. So these guys start going on. I was fine until they dropped a couple of bombs here. And I finally said, hey, look, fellas. Come on, man. Little ears. Oh, sorry, sir. Sorry, sorry, sir. Sorry, sorry. Then it kept on. And then I heard what I'm going this. This is literally, this is a guy. Now, ladies, this is a guy for you. He, he's a 70-year-old guy, maybe younger. And he's with his buddies. And apparently he's breaking up with his girlfriend. And one guy's telling him, let me talk to her. Let me talk to her. And he said, I ain't going to let you talk to her. What does she say? She says, we're over. Well, tell her this. Tell her she ain't worth anything. Tell her this. And I, like, you don't know how close I was to be like, listen, man, you may help you because these guys over here, you're never going to have a relationship with that girl again if you listen to him. He's an idiot. Like, he's an idiot. And he's hanging out with you at the roller coasters because he's single. And if you want to have a date or you want to have a relationship, you better stop listening to these bozos. They'll be the groomsmen at your wedding. But right now, they don't need to influence your decisions. Guys don't. So, guys, listen. If you're going to engage a girl, first of all, if she's got a daddy, you better call him first. If she don't have a daddy, find a grandfather. If she's got a big brother, if you don't, then ask mom, somebody in that ask permission. It's the right thing to do. It's respectful. It's called honor her. And then when you ask her, Beyonce's got a little song. <laughs> and if you really like it, you ought to put a, and be done with that. And don't be like, hey, you know, hey, I was thinking maybe what you think. Like, we ought to get married, I don't know. Get a ring. Because it says, I'm committed. Now, some people do tattoos. I can't, I'm, I'm a, ugh, I don't like needles at all. I don't, I couldn't handle it. Some people like, I can't. Somebody's mind, they're like, man, this means it's permanent. That's cool. Mine's permanent as best I can be. I, I can't stand that. I pass out. I'd be, pick me up off the floor, man. But it, it means you're committed, right, in our culture. Okay, and their culture is totally different. I, I need to share this with you as we read for today. But what they did was totally different. It was a marriage contract. In our culture, we have something called a prenuptial agreement. You heard of those? And in those kind of things, you would say, all right, if you got money, resources, whatever you got, this is what I got, and this is what I'll give if we split. In the Jewish culture, 
when they got engaged, it was something in, similar, but not if, exactly. But it was called a ketubah. Now, that's the best I can do for you. That's Georgia slang for a Hebrew word, okay, or for a Greek word. But it's called ketubah. Or, I'm sorry, it's a Hebrew word, ketubah. But when they were engaged, it was a wedding contract that they put together. And basically, they would, they would write the terms of the contract. And what they would say is things like this. All right, you agree to what, sir? All right, well, I will be a provider. I promise to, to honor, to respect, to be faithful to her. I, I, it's kind of when we stand up before the, the minister and everybody else, I promise, I promise, I promise, right? Theirs is in contract form. And I've thought about it. I might need to change how I do weddings. <laughs> Sit them down like you promise. You promise, call my attorney, and say, hey, now make them sign it. And then we'll see what happens later on, right? You can't get out of this too easy, right? So they say, I promise, I promise, I promise. That's where she realizes what he's worth. If he's been talking a bunch of air, like he's got all this cattle, he's got all this, you know, acres of land and gold and everything else. And she's like, ooh, I got a man. Not only is he good looking, but he's got money too. And he gets in there and says, well, how much are you going to give her if you split? Well, you know, I got a lazy cow over here I give her. And, and uh, you know, and that, that, I got like a half acre over here. And she says, well, where's all the stuff you said you had? Oh, man, girl, I was just saying all that to get you. You know, I mean, uh, but we're in love now, so right, we're good. Not in their culture. Like, love nothing. You said this is what we were going to be doing now. You lied already. So no sense in us going forward because you can't keep your word before. You're probably not going to keep your word after. They were strict with this. But this ketubah, so was there if, if there was a, there was a will involved, so if he died, what you would get, those kind of things, how it would support kids, what he would provide for his wife if there were to be a divorce. This is important because in their culture, divorce is different than ours. And you understand the Bible gives acceptance for divorce, adultery, abuse, abandonment. You understand what I'm saying? There's uh, the, the substance abuse in those areas, addictions, whatever. These are all things where there's a release there if needed, all right? But if it's like, hey, he won't, you know, put the cereal back in the cabinet, that's no excuse. You gotta, they, you gotta go and get some help, like. <laughs> But but if he's hurting you, or you won't, they can't get off their addictions or whatever, then sometimes you have no choice, and you don't fault people for it. The Bible made provision for this in the Old Testament. If it was provided for there, it's definitely provided for in the New. Just read our Bibles. Let's all just understand that, okay? I think we're past that in a culture, but anyway, in their culture, it wasn't like that. All those things are kind of taboo, you know? They were notorious for finding some flaw in their spouse, typically the, the woman, the guy would find a fault. And the reason he would write a bill of divorcement is just because he got tired of her and he wanted a new wife. And they did this so many times. That's why Jesus said to them, Moses gave exception to this for you because of the hardness of your hearts. But in the beginning, it was not so. So in other words, it was more honor in the marriage covenant than just and when I say they find a flaw, guys, I'm telling you, like, they didn't like how she did her hair. But because the Bible said this, they made a thing for it, and that got them out of it. They, they were evil people in this time and era. These guys were just notorious for doing this. Very low, very low. <clears throat> but this ketubah was there, and what it said was, all right, well, if you leave then, here's what I get. And it was provisions that were made. And so it had to be really strong. If you were a woman... And you had a good family there. The dad would come alongside with the mom and say, hey, you better make sure that cat puts in there. If he leaves, because I've already admitted, Fred, Jim, Joe, whatever, all these guys did the same thing. If he leaves you, at least you get some things there. You understand what I mean? So that's why this was there. This ketubah 
was a contract with promises. I know in our culture this is not as common, but I want you to think about this next. What this man would do when he, in a sense, gave the ring and the ketubah to her, now we're set. We are engaged, or as Joseph and Mary, it would say, they were espoused to. Now watch what it says next. He says, before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was espoused or engaged or had the ketubah, the contract was developed and written. We're done. We're preparing for marriage. Watch what happened next. Joseph was a good man. He wasn't like these other guys. He was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. What he was going to do was go to the, to the legal team. Here's the ketubah. And he was going to say, I'm going to break this engagement because I found her to be unfaithful. But because it's in the ketubah, whatever was there is there. He's leaving her. She's not leaving him. You, you guys understand what I'm saying? It was not just this. He broke off the engagement. This was a contract with benefits that she just inherited if he breaks this thing off. Now, you know the whole story going from there, and I'm giving this as a backdrop. What he would have been doing at this time, you think, well, what does this have to do? Just give me a minute. Hang tight. I gotta live cult- just give you a background of the culture. What Joseph would have been doing was the moment she said yes, she got the ring, she got the contract, they're going to be married, they're engaged. Joseph would have went to work now on the house. What he would have done in any Jewish culture at that time, the, the man all right, we're agreed, we're agreed, we're getting married, contract. I'm going to get busy, like on the house, you know, get, work on the house. <laughs> Sounds pretty bad. Go to, get, go to work on the house, man. I've got to make preparations for you because you're going to be my wife. I've got to set up a home. Sometimes if the, the property was large enough, they might add on to, to the home that was there and make their own separate home. They might have been in close quarters. They might have built their own home. Either way, he would have built the home. And the way it worked is when he was finished, he would come back and present now to his bride, I'm done, I'm complete to everyone, I've finished the work. Now, I've come for you. You understand what I'm saying? This is the story, basically, if you read the culture in the Bible, you read other stories of this, like the parables that Jesus said about the, 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 the virgins with the ten lamps burning and not burning and those kind of things. You remember when he came, the groom came at night. This thing about Joseph, many times, that would have been the case. It's, you know, it's very unique. It's not, a, it's not a secret thing. It would have been a very party, very boisterous you know, culture. And so they would have had like, hey, here we come. And before the groom came to tell her, I've got everything that's finished, we're ready, she would have, been, she would have had a well-ahead notice. There would have been someone who came before him, before the groom, maybe one of his little goofball buddies, but he would have given the notice ahead of time and say, hey, he's done. Like, he's going to get the tux. He finished the house. He's ready. All the things are ready that you asked for. The china cabinet, whatever the china you want to. See, a lot of stuff we don't think about, the culture that we're in, the wedding parties we do, the little registrations we do for Target, the people ask for salt and pepper shakers and all that. That's not what he wanted. They ain't a groom I know that said, I want a salt and pepper shaker with a crystal top. That's for her. <laughs> they ain't not a fella I know that's going on that Target list that got anything he wanted. Everything that's on that list is from her. I promise you. Them napkins folded over with the embroidered thing. I had a guy in here said, you know, I really like the embroidery. He, he didn't, no. 
everything that was purchased because she hit it with that zapper. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. He's just going like this behind her. Mm-hmm. What do you think, honey? Yeah, it, it, I like it. I like it. What he's like to have is that big flat screen TV, a barbecue grill, maybe a couple. He's not paying attention to napkins. That's what she wanted because it goes into what? Her house. She wants her house to be the way she envisions it. So now his little buddy, one of his groomsmen, maybe his best man, he comes to give him a head's notice, maybe a couple of days, but look, hey, he's done. He's coming to get you. It's a, it's a very huge like preparation, but they're, she's ready. It's not like she woke up at 2 a.m., like hair going everywhere. Like, oh, you're ready to get married? Okay, no. She would have been ready in her dress like the door's about to open in our culture. Prepared. Music's going. Now, listen to this. In John chapter 14 and verse 1, Jesus says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you, watch this very carefully, that I am going to prepare a place for you. Yeah, it was pretty cool, right? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. In other words, you, you're, you know what's about to happen. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. Of course, Thomas, you know, you don't know. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying the body of Christ is also the bride of Christ. And he is the groom. And when he left this earth, what did he say I was going to do? I'm going to what? Prepare a for you. And when everything is, I'm coming back to get you. And what he did was he established, in a sense, a ketubah of promises that he put right here in your scriptures that say, these are the covenant, if you will, contracts I'm giving you. And I promise to abide by this for you, no matter what. Let God be faithful. Let, let God be faithful and true and let every other man be a liar. He's true to his word. No matter what we see, he's true to his promises. Whatever he tells you in the epistles, these are letters to his church, but he promises you this. When I'm ready, I'm coming back to get you. And this is a symbol and a sign of the covenant relationship of marriage between a groom and his bride. And as a church, fellas, I know sometimes this is hard to understand because as a guy, we're going like, yeah, but yo, man, like, how are we the bride? It's a... It's a metaphorical, if you will, it is an illustration that Paul talks about, which will, I'll give you the verse of scripture in just a second. But this is the way they were engaged, this is the way they were espoused, and it was a set time to be married. And Jesus is doing his part as his groom, as the groom. And we are expected to do our part as his bride. You can say it, it's okay. Now, if you're going to be married as a bride... There's a number of things you do. Now, I've never been the bride. You know, I, I just know because I've heard stories. I know how many days it took, and how many hours, and how many months of shopping, and then 
six months out before looking at other stuff, dresses, whatnot. I know how long it takes and what that day entails is exhausting for everybody. There's so much time fixing hair and makeup. I mean, I'm t- the guy, this is, the, you know what the guy does? He puts his tux on, puts a breath mint in his mouth, and the, him and them boys are in the back talking about the goofballest things you've ever seen. They ain't going like, what do you think she's going to look like? No, they're saying, hey, dude, it's funny. <laughs> you got those embroidered napkins, didn't you? <laughs> you didn't get that grill, did you? That's what they're doing the whole time, giving the boy grief. But the bride is getting ready. Groom doesn't, groom doesn't have to really do much because he's already prepared. He's promised he's got, he's done his part, if you will, before the ceremony. He said, this is what I, I promise. I'm committing to you. She, on the other hand, is preparing for that day. In the same way as church, as a church, we're doing the same thing. And it's important that you understand this. But, but let me ask you this. What would you think about that bride? What would you think about a bride who, instead of when she came down the aisle, she's looking at Suave there in his tuxedo, the groom. He's like, he's looking at her like, oh, oh man, she's so pretty. And she's looking at him like, look at me like I got my dress on and and all of a sudden instead of looking at the groom she's looking at the groomsman uh oh is right what would you think about that and the whole time instead of going to the groom she makes a hard right to the groom's man and is talking to the best man what would you think would you continue on this ceremony everybody in the church you'd be sitting there like this like what is about to take place? Like, this is crazy. Like, you want to leave, but you, because it's so embarrassing and awkward, but at the same time, you know you can't, because if you do, you might miss something. So you just kind of, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Everybody's got their phones out, watching what happens next. That's kind of what happens <clears throat> when we take our eye off of him, and we do what a lot of people are wanting to do right now, and look at the wrong person. Now, let me give you a verse of scripture that I don't usually preach on end times, and I'm not getting into it in depth, but I want you to hear some of this stuff. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Okay? <clears throat> Paul was saying to the church, to the bride, Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. I prepped all that to get to this, okay? We're going to meet him. All right. <clears throat> verse 2, he says, Don't be so easily shaken. Or be alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. That means you got to watch out for this. Oh, he's coming. And so they set dates for it. And he's coming back. And this is the season for it. And he's coming back because I had a vision about it. Jesus said, you will not know the time or the day. Only the Father knows. And let me say this. When a groom was preparing in the Jewish culture... When it was done, he checked in with dad first. I got the house ready, got the napkins on the table, everything's ready. Do you agree? The dad had to sign off on it before the groom left. So he couldn't get away with cutting corners. You know, she wanted crystal and you bought, you know, Tupperware. You can't get away with that. The father says no in the contract. Because see, all this stuff is connected to him too. He's as much bound by the, if, if the guy goes going to owe land and cattle, it's probably part of his his, you know, wealth. She said, Crystal, you put Tupperware. No, go get Crystal. He signs off on everything. All right, now you can go. I'm just telling you right now, Jesus is on edge waiting, but until the Father says go, he's sitting. But when he says go, he's coming. And when he comes, he's joking. I'm telling you, this world thinks they're so smart. Man, we're not smart. 
When he comes back, it's going to absolutely be the most unreal expectation anybody's ever had in their life. But he says this, don't believe these people who say he's coming because they don't know. He also says, verse 3, don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until, watch this, there's a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, <clears throat> the one who brings destruction. That's typically talking about the Antichrist. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. <clears throat> He'll even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Now I want to explain something to you why people are saying this right now. Because they're looking at, in America, the, they're calling it apostasy now. The falling away of the church. They're calling it the, the, the people stepping away from Christianity. It's called a post-Christian era. Have you heard of this? That's what we are. We, we've already been, we have been that. I don't know what people are. We have been that. It's been that for years. The only thing that's different now, you live in the southeastern part of the United States. You're just experiencing it for the first time in your life. If I took you up to Boston, I'll show it to you firsthand. It's been that way for years. But the problem with it is people think because in America that people are going to stop going to church and they're not serious about their faith or they're turning from God. They think, well, that's apostasy. And therefore, now because that's coming, the Antichrist must be coming back. The, the problem with that is this. If I take you to Scotland, it's already happened. This has happened time after time in nation after nation. So just because a nation turns from God doesn't necessarily mean that requires an Antichrist to come. Why? What does this matter? Because people are looking at the wrong person. Oh, look at this, look at this, look at this. And they're looking for an Antichrist. That's like a bride coming down the aisle looking at the groomsman. We're supposed to be looking at Jesus, the high priest and the author and the finisher of our faith. That's my eye supposed to be on him, completely on Jesus. What did he tell Peter when he was sinking into the water? Keep your eyes on what? Why did you doubt? Look at me, Peter. Look at me, Peter. I know there's waves everywhere, but you're supposed to focus on me. Like a bride walking down the aisle, she's supposed to be looking at the groom. And if I'm ever getting, if I'm doing the wedding, and if I ever see her checking out the grooms over here, the groomsmen over here, and she's looking to her right and says, straight on, I might ask her, hey, listen, are you sure about this? Because, I mean, if you like hot daddy over here and you don't like this guy you got hooked up with, let's make us flip. But don't make a, it ain't too late. You know, I done help, I done been down that road one time with some people. Like, it just, I'd rather you stop now. Let's switch gears. I mean, if you like him, let's move him over. You out. Like, whatever we got to do, but let's don't, let's don't make a mistake here. I'm sorry, that just sounds so crazy now that I think about what I said. Oh, Lord have mercy. God help me. I was just telling somebody the thing too. I was saying, you know, in the lobby, you know, the scriptures tell us who are teachers. Don't desire that you should be a teacher, my brothers and sisters, because those who teach the word are judged much more strictly than those who don't. <laughs> so I do think about that sometimes and I have great concern. But anyway... <clears throat> If apostasy is what is needed to bring the Antichrist, it should have already happened in Scotland, Israel, most of Europe. But it hasn't happened. So don't look at the wrong person. Look at the groom. And another, another reason, it, we think sometimes this has to happen, but it doesn't. Not one thing needs to take place different for Jesus to come right now. Not one thing. You say, are you trying to scare me? If that's what it requires, yeah. If you're watching a line right now and you think this is silly or you, if you're in this room, you're thinking right now, no, I don't, know, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if he's coming back. I'm just telling you, hear the words of a guy who won't be around for 100 years, but it's, in, it's been here a long time. 
And I'll, I'll give you a scripture to prove why it's taking so long. But listen, don't ever give in to this idea that he's not coming. Oh, he's coming. He is coming. Just, mar- just as sure as you're there, you're breathing right now, he's coming. And we as a church are supposed to be what? As the bride, preparing ourselves. So, well, how do you do that? All right, well, let's talk about it a little bit, all right? Real quick. And you know, um, the bride has a wedding. This, this wedding is at a certain time, and the groom's going to be there. And again, he would show up, and he's ready when everything's ready in the home. And the marriage then would be, be consummated. But what if the bride began to listen to her bridesmaids? As a fact, that's taking them too long. I mean, you know, he's a good-looking dude, but hot daddy over there, he could have built that home faster. Why is he taking so long? Why is it taking so long? I mean, he could have finished it. Why is it taking He don't love you anymore. He don't like you because he hasn't been back. He's just, seemed like it's taken him a really long time to build that fence. You know what I'm saying? He just must not really care about you. These are the things that we hear as Christians. Jesus must not love you because. Maybe he doesn't care because he didn't answer that prayer. And I'm just telling you, that is the voice of the people you don't need to listen to. If he made you a promise, trust in the one that is faithful to you, not in the one that is not committed to you. So in Second Peter, this is what he said about these things. He said, most importantly, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you, Second Peter 3.3. 3. He said, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. Y'all good for about five more minutes? We good? All right. Sometimes I know we get like, we're ready to go, but I'm just telling you, this is too important to be so antsy about. Scoffers will come in the last days. They will, you understand this was written close to 2,000 years ago. Not quite, but close. These are so prophetic. You cannot mathematically make this Bible fit together the way that it is and be so accurate without it being God. Humanity has tried to devour this and disassemble it. They can't do it. I'm just telling you, you can't make this up. And he says, in the last day, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise of his coming? What happened to it? You Christians have been saying this for years. He's coming back. He's coming back. We've been hearing that for years. Where is he? For, before, they will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? For the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. And the scriptures say this, they deliberately or they willfully ignore that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. They willfully so when people tell you he's not coming in or they scoff at what you believe, understand this, it's not, you understand your position, you're in a position of truth and from God. They willfully are being disobedient and they do not want to agree with this even though they know it's true. So when you follow in their footsteps, you're following and they know it's true, they are willfully denying it. So don't listen to them. He says this, they forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command and he brought the earth from out of the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They're being kept for the day of judgment when the ungodly people will be destroyed. Now, we don't like this today. There was a guy who came out not too long ago who actually said that people would not go to hell. Wrote a book on it. 
And a lot of Christians believed it. And they started telling people, well, no, you won't go to hell. I wouldn't have a problem with that if Jesus said you weren't going to hell. But if I'm going to agree with you or the Son of God, I'm going to agree with the Son of God. And the Son of God said, in that day, when you see him, now this is another illustration, but he's going to separate, watch, the goats from the sheep. He knows the ones that are his and the ones that have denied him. And there'll be a lot of people say, oh, you know, I was just messing around. I mean, you know I love Jesus. Yeah, but you, you rejected him. Depart from me, for I never knew you. And that's strong words. Yeah. I mean, it ain't a social club. It's real. It's very real. And so he says this. Let's keep reading. <clears throat> you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. He's telling all of us as believers, please do not forget what I'm about to tell you today. All right? This is your thing of the day. When scoffers come and those who deny the truth, listen to this. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's been patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. Our Lord is so good, and he's so gracious. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He wants people to repent. That's why he's waiting Right now, half the population are unbelievers. I just, we think because America has this different belief now about Christianity, that, oh, he must be coming back. I don't know about that. There's half the people of the planet that have never heard of the gospel. And then you leave a country and go back to a country, and you see that not only have they had the gospel preached to them before, but they are a generation so far removed from they don't even know who Jesus is. So based on his own scripture and word, just because people fall away from the truth doesn't mean start looking at Antichrist. Let's start looking at Jesus. And let's look at Jesus and ask ourselves a question. What happens if my neighbor doesn't make it? I mean, let me tell you something, guys. Like, my father-in-law, he just, you know, his, his best friend, his daddy just passed away this last week. And it's, I've had the weirdest thing. I've, I've done so many funerals the last couple of years. Last year, this month, and it was right about this time, my, one of my best friends, I buried him. My age, we graduated from each other. Now, I, I share this because I know he wouldn't mind me sharing this with you. And I'll wrap up uh, with this story, okay? Just, just as I'm closing out, just, I want you to, it's a very tender thing to me. Like I said, he was a, like a brother. Like, we grew up together. Um, he was like my brother. It'd be like Jason right over here. This is my, that guy right there, like, he and I, we're not blood related, but. I mean, we're, I'd be their friend if he needed anything. This guy was the same way. It'd be like, it was just heartbreaking. He's my, my buddy, he's a goofball. <clears throat> he wasn't one of my groomsmen, Jason was. And the reason I didn't pick him, I'll tell you why. Because I didn't need that many goofballs in my groom's team. You know what I'm saying? Like, that one out there, I got Jason there, I didn't need this one. I thought, more, it'll be a mess. But, <clears throat> you know, for years, for years he'd be in church. And I used to do the whole thing, hey, raise your hands if you need to know Christ, pray this prayer with me. He's sitting in the back so many years. How many times did he raise his hand? He raised his hand so many times, it finally bothered me. And so I went to him one day and I said, hey, man, listen, I got to know. Because I'm praying for people and I keep seeing you raise your hand. I need to know if you're a Christian. And I don't mean in name only. I need to know, is, is Jesus your Lord? <clears throat> 
<laughs> he looks at me. Now, if you know Tim, <clears throat> he's kind of a big dude. Like, I'm not a big guy. All my friends are big, I guess, because I'm not. But <clears throat> he was a big guy. And when I say big, I mean, like, listen, guys, he could bench press, like, the back of a car. He just was a big dude. And I'll, I'll never forget this. He recently just came and said, now, I ain't even going to give him my nickname anyway. He nonstop gave me a stupid nickname. He looked at me and said, man, yeah, I'm saying. What do you think I'm not saying? I said, well, I don't know. You raise your hand every Sunday you come to church. I, he looks at me, he looks at me just like big grin on his face. He had chubby, 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 chubby cheeks like this, like a chipmunk all the time. He just looked at me and said, man, I just need prayer. I said, well, you understand, man, when I'm praying that prayer, I'm asking for salvation. I ain't asking for you. Then you're, you're freaking me out. <clears throat> he said, well, you saying I can't get prayer? No, I'm not saying you can't get Then it starts, and you see where it goes. That's why he wasn't one of my groomsmen. You see where it would go from there. But he would raise his hands so much. He said, he wanted prayer. He said, yeah, I'm saved, man. He said, I'm just asking for prayer. And when I heard that, it made me think about this day. There are, as the bride of Christ, there are preparations we all make before he returns. And my friend Tim was just making preparations. That's what you pray for, man. What do you want me to pray for? Pray for my son. Oh, pray for my kids. This kid went through a real tough medical condition. Pray for him. And what do you want to pray for? No, just pray for him. He's making preparations. And as Christians, as we wrap up today, I just want you to understand that Jesus isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for preparation. That's all he's looking for out of us right now. Preparation for what? Well, one of the reasons why we ask you to join a small group is the Bible tells us don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some in the last days will do. But you, brothers and sisters, you worship and come together and don't be brought into this thing where you know you have no Christian fellowship. You need believers. That's making preparation. Why do we ask people to be generous? Why do we give? Why do we sacrificially give? establish his kingdom on the earth like what Haley and I want to help do and our friend who's going to be planting a church in Scotland it's a big undertaking I don't know how much I can do to help but I want to why? because I want to see his kingdom established in the earth it breaks my heart to think that there might be people over there who have never heard of the gospel we have a hundred plus churches in our county they have maybe a few man this feels like maybe you know like Oh, we got to fix that, right? That's why we're generous. Why do I pray? Why do I serve? Why do I proclaim the gospel? I'm making preparations for him to, when he returns, the scriptures say this, when he does return, will he find, how many will he find in faith? How many will he find faithful and ready for the master's work? That's what we're doing right now. Just making preparations. So as a Christian, I want to remind you that it's not membership. I mean, we, we are members in a church, and a lot of that is just because, honestly, it has to do with a number of things in our country, legal things, because we're a 501c3 and all that. The membership is in there required for reasons, right? Membership is in the body of Christ. You're a member of the body of Christ. But this isn't a membership thing. This is a covenant thing. And so I'm going to pray for you today, and I really want you to hear this. And fellas, I know it's weird to hear that we are the bride of Christ, but just think about it for a moment. He is your Savior. And 
understand it from the side of he's given an, an illustration of Christ in the church. And so I want to pray for you this morning. As I pray, um, I, you know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands like I would with my buddy Tim. But um, if you're here and you don't know Christ, I'm not trying to scare you. If you're watching online, I'm not trying to scare you. I do want you to hear my heart, though. This is a covenant thing. And once you become a part of his covenant, you are not released from it just because you don't have everything together. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for preparation. He just wants you to get ready. And getting ready takes a little time sometimes, doesn't it? For some ladies, maybe they don't care. They're like, I can get ready quick. For other ladies, maybe they took longer. I don't know. But it's about getting ready. So right where you are this morning, would you close your eyes and bow your head? Just just where you are. Before you and the Lord right now, as a a true and heartfelt attention to your Savior, if you're in this room and you don't know Christ and and you you came today and you just are uncertain about your faith, I want to pray for you. If you're watching online right now, you just don't know. I'm not trying to scare you, but I do want you to understand He is a covenant-keeping Christ. And once he says yes to you, he will not turn his back on you. So right where you're at, I'm going to pray. And I just want you to repeat after me if you're online. Just repeat this after me. The whole church is going to pray. This is just your faith and your prayer to God right now. Just say this. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I give you my heart. I give you my life. And I ask you, to save me. I ask you to receive me as your very own. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name, I make you the Lord of my life. Amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that, we're so proud of you, church. Would you give me a hand right now, please? So proud of you. Listen before you go. On that card there, if you prayed that prayer, let us know. It's just right there in the card to see back. Let us know. We're going to help you get started walking with Christ. If you're watching online, connect.cornerstonehome.com. You can go there. Just let us know. We're going to help you get started walking with Christ, okay? Now, um, what I said about the trips, if any of that thing sparked your interest, you prayed about it, you think, I just want, hey, I'm interested. Put on a card. And what you do at the end of church, drop those cards off in the offering box and we're at the door. We'll get them. We'll go from there, okay? And then, um, man, just... I want to say this one more time before we go. Like, thank you for doing what you did to help Jim and Bonnie. I'm going to try and get them on the phone maybe next week or so. We're going to see how we can make a, like a Zoom call online here in our room so you can see it, talk to him maybe or hear him. Uh, he's so excited. Like, there are villages now in the in the region of Guatemala. This isn't like, this is like Spanish like you might think you can speak here. This is uh, Mayan dialect that is like a different, catchy, different dialects completely. It is, it is unreached people groups inside the jungle in Guatemala. So thank you for what you did. You should be so proud that you have just affected the kingdom of God in that way. And we have over there right now, let me just say what you've done. You've built numerous water wells. You have built a church over there. Helped set up a pastor for success in that region. He is knocking it out. And now you're finishing up a ministry center there so that more people can be trained for the gospel and go out in that region. And I'm telling you guys, you have work all over the world that you should go look out on the wall out there by the restrooms and see what you've been a part of and what your giving goes to. Not just here in Rome, Georgia, but all around the world. So, hey, would you stand with me this morning? 
before we leave today. Just thanks again for being generous. You can give, um, you know, in the offering boxes today and give online as well. All that information is readily available to you. But thanks for being generous. It really makes a difference for what we do. Um, helps us in our decisions, what we make every, every week and all. But I'm going to ask our prayer ministry team to come down front right now. So maybe uh, you're like my buddy Tim, okay? That he would raise his hand. Every Sunday he'd raise his hand. And all he just wanted was prayer. He just wants somebody to, you know, he just wants somebody to pray for him, right? And maybe that's what you need, doesn't it? Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you. And uh, so if that's you and you need prayer, this is why they're here. They'll pray with you. And, uh, and, uh, and so if you need prayer, just come down front. I don't read this to you before we go. Um, today, I always like to speak this over you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this verse of scripture to you and then we're going. Why marriage is so important, why you need to hear this, what Jesus said, okay? In Ephesians 5, this is what Paul says about husbands and wives. He says, for wives, this means submit your husbands as to the Lord. For husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, that's what we do. So you wives ought to submit to your husbands and everything. Now this isn't about just listen, let's be neutral here. For husbands, it goes the other way now. This isn't a one-sided thing. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. That's a whole lot of love right there, guys. That's sacrificial, build the house, build the barn, set the table, get everything, whatever she wants. Mom ain't happy, nobody happy. That's the way it works, fellas. It goes both ways, see? Watch this. He gave up his life for her to make her whole. Who's making the church holy and clean? Jesus. He's not looking for perfection. He's just looking for preparation. Jesus gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And he did this, watch, to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Talking about the church. He's presenting her. He's making her holy. He's doing all this stuff. He's not looking for perfection. He just wants preparation. And it says this, in the same way the husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but he feeds it and he cares for it just as Christ cares for his church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now, listen to this last part and we're done. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Don't ever forget about marriage, the holy union between a husband and a wife. It is an illustration of Christ and the church. That's why it matters that you keep it between a man and a woman. Y'all right? You understand? I know it's not popular. You change that, you change everything else. So let that stick with you today, all right, before we go. All right, before we leave, let me speak this over you. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. And if you need prayer, come on down front at the end. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and may he be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. Enjoy the afternoon. We'll see you next Sunday. If you need prayer, come on down front. 
If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.